Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 24, how Abraham's concern and sense of urgency transferred to Eleazar, his servant, which teaches us how we should let urgent concerns of the Lord Jesus Christ transfer to us. Now, we want to remind you that Tom Cantor has materials online, many of them for free reading and free viewing, at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org. You can also download messages for free listening and free download again at friendshipwithgod.org or go to itunes.com or sermonaudio.com and you can find all of our Friendship with God messages there for free listening and free download. Now, Tom Cantor is the owner-operator of the Original Creation Museum in Santee, California, the Creation and Earth History Museum, and at friendshipwithgod.org and creationsd.org, our two websites, we've got an online bookstore with creation resources that will help you to understand the book of Genesis and science and how the Bible matches up with a young earth and creation science. You can find those resources available again online at our bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or creationsd.org, creationsd.org. You can also call us and receive our three resources this month for a donation of $20 or more. We have three wonderful books that will help you grow your understanding of creation science. And as well, it'll develop your friendship with God. Now, these three resources, these three books, will really help you to understand how your origins matter. In fact, that's the title of the first book. The second book will help you understand the Ice Age and the Flood from Noah's Flood. And we'll also have a third book by Dr. John Morris about his search for Noah's Ark. These three books, How Your Origins Matter and the Ice Age and the Flood and the Search for Noah's Ark, are available for our resource of the month of $20 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program. You can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us now, Lord, to sweep away all the distractions in our heart that would draw us some other place. Lord, help us to... Open our hearts to you and you alone, Lord. Help us to receive your word as an engrafted word with meekness. And help us, Lord, to change by your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis 24, verse 10. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, 
that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder, and the damsel was very fair to look upon a virgin. Neither had any man known her, and when she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up, and the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to whether the Lord had done his journey prosperous or not, made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold, and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? She said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said, Moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had not left destitute my master of his mercy and truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my father, of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man unto the well, and it came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hand, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and the water to wash his feet. And the men's feet were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. Okay, now, we've come in our study here to be with Eliezer. Eliezer's a wonderful person. He's a Syrian. He's from Damascus. He's still a wonderful person. <laughs> Abraham was a Syrian. He's a wonderful person. We should all be Syrians right now. Eliezer feels this tremendous sense of responsibility because he's got to bring back the bride that God has appointed for Isaac. And Abraham had chosen, of all those men, he chose Eliezer. Why? That was a faithful man. That was a faithful man for Abraham. Abraham found what Solomon said was so rare to find in Proverbs 20, verse 6, where Solomon said, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. See, what this verse is saying here in Proverbs 20, verse 6, is basically saying, You show me a person who talks about himself, I'll show you a person who's not faithful. But this was not Eliezer. Eliezer was a faithful man. He was a steward over everything that Abraham had. And Paul taught that the number one requirement for a steward is that he should be faithful in 1 Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's Eliezer. He's faithful. And so we saw in verse 14 that his faithfulness led him to seriously take his charge from Abraham in verse 4, where Abraham said, But thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Now, he took this very seriously. So when Abraham told him that, he got very nervous. 
<laughs> and his words are ringing in his ears, take a wife unto my son Isaac. I mean, Eliezer knows that he's been entrusted to go get a wife for Isaac. And he's feeling, well, you know, what if the woman is going to come back with me and is going to be Isaac's wife? What if she turns out to be a bad wife? You know, it's a bad choice. It's all on my shoulders, he's saying to himself. Abraham didn't tell Eliezer, now you go back there and you bring back five candidates. Line them all up and Isaac will choose the one he wants. You know, he didn't tell him that. He says, take a wife unto my son Isaac. And so Eliezer's thinking, if I bring back a good wife, fine. If I bring back a bad wife, fired. He's nervous. He's very nervous. And he's already shown now how nervous he is because he's raised this issue. Well, what about if the woman's not willing to come? And what should he do? And Eliezer's thinking about, what if the woman's not willing to come? And what if she turns out to be a bad wife? And Eliezer is thinking that Abraham is going to die, and Isaac is young, and he's going to live. And if I bring back a good wife for Isaac, then Isaac's going to be my friend for the rest of my life. But if I bring back a bad wife for Isaac, then I'm going to be blamed for the rest of my life. Now, who was blamed in the Bible for presenting a bad wife to a man? What was the wife's name, and what was the man's name? Eve and Adam. And God was like Eliezer when he brought to Adam his wife. And God didn't present to Adam five candidates. Now you choose, Adam. It's all up to you. But he brought one woman and he said, here, Adam, this is Eve. Here she is. And Adam didn't like the wife that God brought to him. And he blamed God over it in Genesis 3.12. The man said, the woman who thou gavest to me to be wife with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So Adam was saying to God that he brought him a bad wife. He brought me a bad wife. And all this sin was all God's fault because he brought Adam a bad wife. And maybe Adam was thinking that um, it was all God's fault. And maybe Adam was thinking, well, maybe if God would have brought me five, that I could have chosen one. You know, maybe if God would have had a little e-harmony or something going on, at least he could choose. You know, but it wouldn't happen that way. So Eliezer is thinking, to himself, you know, if even God got blamed for selecting a bad wife, what chance do I have of finding the good wife for Isaac? Well, Abraham saw this sense of this helplessness that was written all over Eliezer's face. So Abraham helps Eliezer. In verse 7, he's to calm down. He says to him, in verse 7, Eliezer, just calm down. He says, the God of heaven which took me from my father's house, from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, unto thy seed will I give this land, he'll send his angel before you, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So with those words, Abraham was saying to Eliezer, don't you worry, Eliezer, just let God help you. Just let God help you. He'll go before you. He'll point out the wife that you should take for Isaac. It won't be your fault. If you yield yourself to God, it's going to be God's choice. And Eliezer, if there's one thing Abraham could say, if there's one thing that I've learned in life, Abraham could say, it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, that I should trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not to my own understanding, and all my ways acknowledge him. He'll direct my paths. He'll direct your paths, Eliezer. And at family night, I came up to Wilma, dear sweet Wilma, and I said, Wilma, who are you trusting in? She says, the Lord. <laughs> Those should be the words on our lips. Would to God, those are the last words on our lips as we leave this world. I trust you, Lord Jesus. Job said that he would trust God to the extreme when it meant, in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, 
yet will I trust him. David said when he trusted in the time, he said, these are the times when I trust in the Lord. He says in Psalm 62, 8, trust in the Lord at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And he said that we need to trust in the Lord for two basic reasons. And he kept emphasizing this. And he says, here are the two reasons. He calls out three groups of people. David calls out three groups of people. And he tells them, you need to trust in the Lord. He calls out to Israel or the mass of the Jewish people. He calls out to the Jewish priests. And he calls out to the Gentiles everywhere who feared God. And he kept telling them, you need to trust God just for two reasons. When he said in Psalm 115, 9 through 11, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, the Jewish priests, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. All the Gentiles, you that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. It's like David says, have I said it enough times? Are you getting the message here? You have two great needs, help and protection. Help and protection. He kept saying that. You need help, you need a shield. You need help in life, you need protection. So the Bible says that God keeps a person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And if you were to ask this morning, what's the reason that God keeps a person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him? What would you say? Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So the answer is, he trusts in the Lord, as David said. See, that verse tells us to remain in perfect peace by staying our mind on the Lord, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Specifically, our mind is stayed on him by trusting in him. So the person who's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's like an enigma to the world because they just can't understand. How can this person seem to be so unaffected by what is so disturbing, that is so devastating, and how can he be? Because the person who's trusting the Lord has a secret going on. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just a moment here on Friendship with God. We wanted to take a moment to remind you that Tom Cantor is the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, the original Creation Museum. It's open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And if you're in the Southern California area, we would love to have you come by and visit the Creation and Earth History Museum. And also, if you're visiting San Diego for a future vacation, plan to see the Creation and Earth History Museum, the original Creation Museum, here in Santee, California, that's owned and operated by Tom Cantor, and has unique things you'll find at no other creation museum, such as the Human Anatomy Wing, the Age of the Earth Cave, and a life-size tabernacle. For more information, go to CreationSD, for San Diego, CreationSD.org, CreationSD.org, or 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. Jeremiah describes a secret in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, when he said, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is, as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river. See, you get the picture? By the waters, but the roots are heading off to the river. He shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You know, if you drive out Highway 94 to Takati during the summer, 
And boy, you want to talk about a hot, dry place. That's dry gulch. Dry, dry, dry. Brown, brown, brown. Ready for a wildfire. Nothing green. And then all of a sudden, you're driving along as you pass there by the secondary border patrol. And you're driving down there. It's like maybe 100 degrees outside. And all of a sudden, there's these green trees growing. And you wonder, what is that? It's just like a row of green trees. There's an underground stream of water there. And that runs there, and those trees have these secret roots. You can't see them. And they go down to that water, to that stream there. See, our Lord Jesus Christ, he's our underground stream of water. And we, when we have our morning quiet times with him, we're sending out the little root tendrils to him, to the stream. And we receive the water, and the water comes, and it protects us from the blasting heat. Well, Eliezer had learned from watching Abraham's errors in his life, we have already covered those, and we don't have to embarrass Abraham anymore now this morning by going over it, but we all remember the mistakes that he made, the errors that he had. And so Eliezer had understood the truth of Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six: He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. He is a fool. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. So Abraham, he guides Eliezer, look to the God of heaven. Look to the Lord God of heaven. Because Eliezer, the Lord God of heaven, is more concerned about getting the right bride for Isaac than you are. He's more concerned about getting the right bride for Isaac, my son, than I am. And so Eliezer takes it to heart. And he gets these ten camels. There's a lot of camels. Ten of them. One camel's a lot. But anyway, he gets ten camels. And that shows that when Eliezer gets these ten camels, that he had faith that God was going to provide a bride for Isaac. So he leaves off, Eliezer leaves off on what really looks like mission impossible. And Eliezer, he's left Abraham, and he's saying to himself what Jeremiah said. You can just picture him. He's like repeating, in essence, what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 10, 23, when Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself is not in himself. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. It's not in me, Eliezer is saying. It's not in me. I, can't, I don't know the way I should go, and I cannot direct my steps. And so we saw in verse 12 how when Eliezer was on his way, he did exactly what Abraham had instructed him to do. He calls out to God. And by the time Eliezer reaches verse 12 here, we really see the man Eliezer reaching spiritually the pinnacle of his life in this wonderful prayer that he prays in verses 12 through 14, when he says, Oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day. Show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water. And he might as well have said, I stand here helpless by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water and then he says let it come to pass that the damsel to whom i shall say and he's got this thing all concocted here let down your pitcher i pray thee that i may drink and then she's supposed to say drink and i'm going to give your camels drink also he says let the same be she that thou hast appointed for isaac thereby shall i know thou show kindness unto my master Now let's look very carefully at some of the words that Eliezer has said because it really shows, what I'm telling you is it has reached a pinnacle of his life. It reveals what Eliezer believes because we want to have Eliezer's statement of faith. (laughs) We want to be like Eliezer. First of all, what is the word 
in verse 14 that reveals that Eliezer believes that God has already selected a bride for Isaac. What's the word in verse 14 that reveals to us that Eliezer believes that God has already selected a bride for Isaac? Appointed. It's appointed. Eliezer's not looking for any lady. He's looking for the one that God has already appointed for Isaac. And so he goes to the well where the women go. He doesn't make a move. He goes to the well, and he doesn't make a move until he prays this prayer in verses 12 to 14. And his emphasis in this prayer is several emphasis, but one of the emphasis is on appointed, appointed. I'm looking for the one that God has appointed. I'm not going to choose and then ask God to appoint her. That's not the way it's going to work. I'm not going to ask God to bless my choice. I'm going to ask God to show me who he has chosen. He's already chosen. The delay is in me. It's not in God. God is not delayed in getting behind my plan. I am delayed in getting behind God's plan. So he's got this in his mind. Now, in verse 14, what did Eliezer say that reveals that he believes that God causes events to occur? In verse 14, Eliezer has said something, and what he said is he reveals that he believes that God causes events to happen. What is it? Let it come to pass. By saying that, let it come to pass, Eliezer is telling us that he believes that God is able to make events happen. And so he prays, let it come to pass. Now, what did Eliezer say in verse 12 that reveals to us that Eliezer believes that God is loving and God is kind and God is good. What did he say in verse 12 that reveals to us that Eliezer believed that? Show kindness unto my master Abraham. See, when he said that, Eliezer is saying, I believe God is loving. I believe God is kind. Kindness is the Hebrew word chesed. And it's found all throughout the Bible and it describes God. And it's translated here kindness, in some places called loving kindness, sometimes mercy, sometimes goodness, sometimes good, sometimes favor, but it's all the same word, chesed. Because it's a description of who God is. God is kind and good and loving. And Eliezer uses this word, chesed, four times in this chapter to describe God. Four times. He used chesed in verse 12. And he uses it in verse 14. Both of those are translated as kindness. Then he uses the same word chesed to describe God in verse 27. It's translated mercy. And then he uses the same word chesed in verse 49. It's translated kindly. Four times. Why did Eliezer use this word chesed so many times to describe God? Because Eliezer believes God is good. God really is good. He believes God really is loving. That's why he describes God with the word chesed. John is describing God as chesed when he says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love, God is chesed. That's the same idea. You know that not everyone believes that God is loving. You know, our Israel Restoration missionaries in Buenos Aires, Jose Luis and uh, Julie, they have had no success at working with the Orthodox Jewish community down there. None at all. The Orthodox Jewish community made it very clear that they're not at all interested in having any kind of discourse with them. So they work with secular Jews in Buenos Aires. But our Israel Restoration Missionary Michael in Los Angeles, he's had his focus 
on the Orthodox Jewish people of Los Angeles, and he's been working with them. And how does he do it? Well, he tracks out the paths, which they all have these set paths, that the Orthodox Jewish people walk to their synagogues on their Saturday, on Sabbath. So he knows how they're all going to walk in the groups. And he goes running out there, and he sets up on the sidewalk his table with provocative signs and, and books, and he talks to them as he goes by. And he engages them in conversation. And so he's gotten quite a relationship with some of them, quite a discourse. And you know what he's found out? He's found out that those Orthodox Jewish people really do not believe that God loves them. Amazing expository teaching from Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God every Monday through Friday. And we want to encourage you, if you're listening, to learn more about Tom Cantor by going to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, is a pastor, an author, a patent holder, inventor, advocate for patience, and even the 2009 Whistleblower of the Year. But you may or may not know that Tom Cantor is also a scientist and biochemist and CEO of Scanabody's Laboratory, as well as the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, which is a suburb of San Diego, California. And because of Tom Cantor's science and creation background, we are going to offer you three wonderful books for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. Now, the first book is on how your origins matter. This book will help answer the important questions of what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? And what is the meaning of life? And why is a creator important? The second book we're offering is The Ice Age and the Flood. It's a great book that will show you how the Bible and science both explain the Ice Age and the Flood. The third book is The Search for Noah's Ark by Dr. John Morris. And this book will look at the archaeological, scientific, biblical, and theological impact of The Search for Noah's Ark from Dr. Morris's adventures on Mount Ararat. Now, we're offering these three wonderful books for a donation of $20 or more, and this offer is only available while supplies last and by calling us now at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org to our online resources and bookstore, 1-800-247-3051.